Hello and welcome to Looking to Score, the podcast where we geek out about movie scores, their composers, and everything else in between. I'm Brianne Brennan, and joining me as always is the creature from the Black Lagoon, Brett Blake. Hi. How are you? I'm fantastic. Are you are you ready for spooky season this year? I'm always ready. It, well, first of all, it's always spooky season in my heart. Oh. But then when the, when the calendar actually rolls over, it becomes extra special. It uh, it explodes out of your heart like like the Grinch. Or like an three alien chess person. Oh, even better. Even better. All right. So today we are bringing you Halloween Music, the sequel. Part two. Yeah. I mean, last year we did deep cuts. So and this is these are kind of deep cuts. Um, Deepish cuts. I mean, there's there's some pretty well-known composers, uh, certainly um, on my list, a couple, two pretty big heavy hitters. And, you know, not all of this would technically be, at least my picks anyway, would technically be exclusively Halloween, but they're all, I think, pretty underrated horror scores that, that we're going to talk about here. Yeah, for sure. And I mine are a little more atmospheric. From some well-known Halloween movies, but uh, yep. we're we're keeping with the fun here and uh, bringing you some mood music for the season, I think. Definitely. So uh, why don't you kick us off? All right. So the first one I wanted to touch on is Twilight Zone, the movie, which was composed by Jerry Goldsmith in 1983. And I think this is a really fun score, partly because the movie is an anthology. So Goldsmith actually gets to basically compose four sort of mini scores in one, uh, each of them with a pretty distinct personality. And the cue that you're going to hear is called A Face in the Window, and it's from the fourth and final segment. And it's definitely the most openly horror-infused. Uh, you'll hear Goldsmith using the violin to sort of suggest a, uh, a devious kind of a threat, but it's also a little bit playful in a way, too. And I think it definitely sounds influenced by Dance Macabre, the classical piece, which mm -hmm. uses the violin in a very, very similar way. And I'm sure that that was a conscious decision by Goldsmith. And as you listen to this, if you are a fan of Goldsmith, you will probably be able to tell that he took a bit from this score and redeveloped some of it for Gremlins the following year. It's not one-to-one. -one. It's not like he ripped himself off, but you can sort of sense that there's a rhythmic sort of motif that probably got stuck in his head. And then he, he sort of pilfered that and redeveloped it for gremlins. So let's listen to a face in the window from twilight zone, the movie. Thank you. 
there's a man on the wing of the plane. There is. I mean, this is perfect music for a John Lithgow freako, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's this is exactly what you want. Yeah, that staccato violin motif is just fantastic at creating, you know, the paranoid mood and even just general mischief. Exactly. All right, for my first pick, uh, I have from Annihilation from 2018 by Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow, and the cue is called The Bear. Now, I wanted to throw this one on here because the film is a great example of cosmic horror, and mm-hmm. the score is, in some ways, not what you expect from the genre. I mean, they're mostly because there are some great acoustic guitar elements, some ethereal choral motifs, and then uh, what I'll highlight here more atmospheric moments of dread. And this cue is from one of the most terrifying moments slash creatures that I've seen on screen. Uh, There is so much tension in this scene, and that tension is amped up by this droning ambient string element that's used here. So take a listen to the bear. There's a bit of an experimental, almost avant-garde quality to this. Mm-hmm. Um, very electronic. Yes, but it's very effective, especially within the context of the scene that it's accompanying, which is pretty unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a very unsettling <laughs> sequence in that film. All right, my next pick is from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein by Patrick Doyle from 1994. And the cue is called The Creation. Now... Doyle's overall score for this movie is very grandiose, very over-the-top, very massive in scale. And this cue, which is for the scene where Frankenstein first brings the monster to life, is kind of like a condensed version of the entire score in two minutes. Like, mm-hmm. this is a full-on frontal assault in terms of, like, what this score has to offer. Lots of orchestral flourishes, particularly in the strings and the brass it definitely sounds like this is music for a mad scientist who's like feverishly throwing switches and triggering gears and hoisting equipment into place. And 
if you like this cue, you will love the score because the score just gives you more of this for another hour and five minutes, and it's fantastic. And also, listen for some pretty subtle usage of organ to add just a little bit of an extra gothic touch. So here's the creation. Yes, organ is always welcome. Yes. Um, this, yeah, it feels like a wild carriage ride almost. And I almost get the feeling that Kenneth Branagh lets Patrick Doyle go nuts when scoring some of his movies, especially Absolutely. during this time. It, and it reminds me a little bit of Dead Again, where mm-hmm. it just felt like, oh, I'm going to go balls to the walls and just give you my most crazy melodramatic score ever, even though it might not fit what's on screen but i think it kind of does fit what's on screen there's a i forget if it was roger ebert's review but somebody's review of the movie at the time said that the perfect word to describe the film is overheated (laughs) and i kind of agree but i also really do kind of admire a lot about the movie not to go off on a tangent about mary shelley's frankenstein but i i think i think there are a lot of admirable impulses that are on display in that film i think it's one of the the very few Frankenstein adaptations that really gets both central characters correct, Victor Frankenstein and the monster. And uh, I give it a lot of credit for that. And when you couple sort of Branagh's directorial style, which is very, again, overheated, you couple that (laughs) with Patrick Doyle's score, I find it just a very entertaining film to experience. All right. Now uh, back to something that's not so much a deep cut, but a cue that I think highlights the playfulness or mischievousness of the Halloween season. And that is the main title from Hocus Pocus by John Debney. 
uh, a movie that was once a cult favorite now has become uh, gratingly mainstream. Regardless, I like this cue because not only does it represent pure nostalgia for me, it also kind of gets you into the spirit of the film right away, as should be the goal of your main title music. So here is the main title from Hocus Pocus. This cue might as well also be titled Halloween Shenanigans, because that's, ba- that's basically what it sounds like in a good way. I mean, it, it's definitely music that sort of perfectly captures the more innocent aspects of sort of trick-or-treating and, and Halloween yeah. night, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. My next pick is a John Carpenter score, sort of uh, one of the great horror composers. It's The Fog from 1980. And the cue I selected here is called Rocks at Drake's Bay. And the score overall is definitely classic Carpenter. And some days I might argue that it's actually his best score. It's just soaking in atmosphere. The usage of piano motifs backed up by kind of synthy sort of textures is very effective. And it's sort of counterintuitive. You wouldn't have necessarily thought that that would be the perfect way to evoke like a mysterious maritime ghost story, but, but it actually ends up being a perfect fit. So here's rocks at Drake's Bay from the fog. Thank you. 
Yeah, we all know that Carpenter's Halloween score obviously gets the most attention, but I think this one is truly underrated. It really, as you said, conveys a bit more dread with that slower tempo yeah. and kind of suggests that these kind of slow creeping entities coming out of the fog are, you know, really threatening. So I, li- I like and this kind of, a lot. And kind of relentless. There are actually some mm-hmm. cues towards the end where like the fog is rolling through town that Carpenter goes sort of very repetitive with the motifs and it works really well. Like it's not in a, in a repetitive way that it starts to become grating. It just emphasizes this feeling that you cannot escape this thing that is coming for you. Mm-hmm. All right. My next pick is from 2009's Halloween anthology trick or treat by the guy with the rad composer named Douglas pipes. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, the main titles. And, you know, like Hocus Pocus, this is another cue that I think really gets you into the spirit of spooky season, albeit on a on the other end of the spectrum in regard to playfulness or mischief. Uh, it's got some sprinklings of, you know, that Bernard Herman style kind of slicing psycho strings and then some Danny Elfman style choral motifs. But again, this being main title music, I think it's really setting you up for what the movie is which is an R-rated horror dark comedy anthology. So here are the main titles from Trick or Treat. Yeah, this perfectly encapsulates both the tone of the movie and sort of just Halloween itself. 
it's it's sort of the darker flip side of the coin to Hocus Pocus. The adults version of Halloween? Yes. <laughs> All right. My next pick is from The Witch by Mark Corvin from 2015. And this is a cue called Caleb's Seduction. Now, the score as a whole is not at all thematically based. Uh, it's much more interested in creating a, a chilling and atonal sort of texture, very eclectic instrumentation. Sometimes it can be grating to listen to, but I think it's generally pretty inventive stuff. And in this cue in particular, there's the usage of processed sounding strings that almost sound like vocalizations that to me is actually pretty frightening and it definitely sounds like music that is appropriate for like a cult or satanic goings on so here's caleb's seduction Yeah, this is a really cool score if you just kind of keep your ear out for the various types of acoustic instruments he uses here. Um, I did come across an article or an interview uh, in which Corbin said that director Robert Eggers didn't want any electronic sound design for the film. And uh, Corbin stated that the instruments he worked with were the Swedish nickel harpa and an old and rather cheap cello. And he said that most of the percussion was done by abusing the cello. Um, so (laughs) that might be where some of that really intense kind of grating sound comes from. Uh, another instrument he used was the mega bass waterphone, which is super cool. Um, check it out on YouTube. There's a bunch of videos of people playing it. And that kind of makes that sort of sustained, you know, glass harmonica sound, I guess is what I would compare it to. Check it out. It's a really interesting thing to listen to. That's pretty cool. And it makes sense that Eggers would sort of give him a directive of no electronics because that very much fits his entire ethos of, you know, we're going to film this movie entirely in period appropriate language, which is, you know, it it makes it a little bit of an inaccessible kind of film because it's the sort of movie you have to watch with subtitles. And even if you have subtitles Mm -hmm. on, you might not really follow exactly what the characters are saying. So I think that translates over into the music in the sense of we're going to keep this as lo-fi as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. 
All right, my next pick is from Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984 by Charles Bernstein. And the cue is called Evil Freddy. Now, this is very short and a very subtle cue. And I realized that, you know, I could have pulled some other more interesting cues off this score, but I like how it has this very slight tease of the Freddy Krueger rhyme in its opening with the creepy children's choir. And I also like how the electronic elements suggest this kind of tick-tock of a clock and that you're falling asleep kind of partway through. But, you know, then you get this sudden tempo picking up and then it ends with a very tense metallic flourish. So there's a there's a lot going on in this 50-second cue. So take a listen to Evil Freddy. There's also a sort of a synthetic vocals type sound that I find very effective as well. It's like mm-hmm. the souls of Freddy's victims or something <laughs> are sort of coming through the music. Uh, it, it, this is a very cool little yeah. piece. Okay, my number five pick is uh, from a composer some of you may have heard of. His name's John Williams. What? This guy. I mean, who is he? I don't know. Anyway, Dracula, 1979. To me... This entire score is criminally underrated. I think a case could be made. This is like top 10 John Williams material, this entire score. Mm. It's that good. It's right in the middle of his, you know, incredible run of Star Wars and Close Encounters and Superman and Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like this fits right in amongst them and belongs in that group. It's that good. And what you're going to hear, I've actually got two cues to talk about. One of them, the first one is called Night Journeys. And this is one of the biggest and best presentations of the main Dracula theme in the whole score. It's gloriously lush, darkly romantic, sweeping, but also very menacing at the same time, which to me feels like perfect music for the character of Dracula, who can have, depending on how you're interpreting him, both seductive and frightening qualities. And in this cue, there's some particularly incredible swirling string writing. So pay attention to that as you listen to Night Journeys.
Now, the second cue I wanted to talk about from Dracula is called Van Helsing's Solution. And this showcases what is Van Helsing's theme in the score. And it's used to underline sort of the moments where he is realizing that there's a vampire on the loose. And after that, then plotting what to do about it. It has this feeling of a macabre mystery to it. And it's a very simple motif that gets gradually more and more fleshed out as Williams develops it. And it almost turns into kind of an action theme by the end. So here's Van Helsing's solution. Now, I had a thought, and I don't know if you agree, but do you think that Wojciech Kielar's Dracula score owes a little bit of its sound and atmosphere to this score? And the same thing with Danny Elfman's Wolfman score. I think they both lean heavily on that low string triplet 16th note motif that, you know, kind of swirls around. Yeah. I don't know. I I think if we gave them truth serum, I would bet that they are (laughs) fans of this score. They definitely feel like they're of a piece. I would even say maybe like Sleepy Hollow is in a similar sort of lineage from this score as well. Um, Yeah, those are all kind of on the same general wavelength, even though in terms of thematic content, they're all doing very different things. All right. My last pick is from The Innkeepers from 2012 by Jeff Grace. And the cue is called End Titles. Um, And I've noticed that Grace has a tendency towards driving the tempo forward with these sort of aggressive low string ostinatos and um side note uh check out his score for in a valley of violence it has an awesome opening title track that kind of demonstrates this but the main string melody here kind of creates a sort of supernatural tone with 
what sound like slurred whole notes. So you kind of will hear that as they, you know, slide into one another as the tempo, you know, increases. So here are the end titles. Now, I had seen this movie, but I'd never actually sat down to listen to the score uh, before you picked it. And 
I'm pretty impressed. This one sort of slipped through the cracks for me um, when it came out about 10 years ago. So I'll have to really dive in and sort of examine this thing at length because I like this cue quite a bit. Yeah, there's a lot of good atmospheric things to it. Um, definitely worth checking out again if you want to revisit it. Cool. But wait, there's more. Oh. Uh, we wanted to throw a, a couple bonus picks in here for the listeners. Um, and, and I'll jump in here first. I wanted to talk about The Wolfman, not the Danny Elfman one, the original The Wolfman from 1941 by Hans J. Salter, Frank Skinner, and Charles Previn. And what you're going to hear is the main title cue. And I just thought it would be kind of nice to highlight some music from that classic era of Universal Monster movies because it's such an important piece of not just horror film history, but horror film score history. And what you hear in this cue is very much the sound that a lot of the 1940s horror films from Universal have. And in fact, cues from this score would end up being repurposed in several other monster and horror movies from Universal in the, the hmm. few years after this. So let's take a quick listen to the main titles from The Wolfman, 1941. And my last bonus pick is from The Thing by Ennio Morricone from 1982. And this is just a quick one. It's called Contamination. And I, I just wanted to throw it on here because it's the quintessential creepy crawly sound with pizzicato strings and just a building intense uh, feeling with those. So this will make your skin crawl. Thank you. 
definitely good music to accompany a very disgusting monster in your midst. Mm-hmm. All right. We hope you conjure up some creepy monsters in your midst this Halloween season. Take a listen to our companion playlist for this episode. You'll find them on Spotify. Uh, link in the description of the show. And uh, thank you for listening. We hope you have a spooktacular Halloween. Until next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.